0: This is Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois, the podcast that helps you destroy self-limiting beliefs, unchain your potential, and create the meaningful life you were made for. And now here's your host, Navy SEAL founder of Impact Actual and the Impact Unchained course, Rob Dubois. You've heard me tell the story in other episodes and other speaking events about how I broke my neck a little bit. In 1999, on a bad landing, I'd had a couple of good ones besides that. I uh, came in on a runway one time on a, a parachute jump, ran with the wind, and landed on the runway, bouncing end over end like the six million dollar man for an old TV show reference where uh, Steve Austin comes burning in in a collapsing plane that's bouncing over the ground, an actual video of an, an airplane crashing. And that's what my body looked like. In fact, the medic on scene raced over with the ambu thinking I wasn't going to be able to stand up, but instead I stood up and ran back and got another parachute. Dumb luck, I guess. Another time, this, the one we're talking about today, I hit the side of a mountain. Bad winds. In fact, uh, another guy got concussed and knocked out and medevaced after that. It was, it was a bad day for jumping. But I hit the deck really hard. We're supposed to hit about five points of landing, feet, shins, butt, and everything else, but I chose to do body one point of landing, body on the side of the mountain like a bag of potato chips or a bag of of potatoes, I remember distinctly how my skull hit the ground next to my body. It stretched my neck so much, like a 90-degree angle, that I had, I, I remember the crown of my head bouncing off the ground next to my shoulder, and then all I noticed was pain from head to toe, except for my left arm, which was completely numb because of the spinal injury, which was awesome because everything else hurt really badly. So I got up and grabbed my ruck and started marching, because that's what we do. When I got back to the team, two days later, I was walking with like Quasimodo. Again, the whole platoon was there. We all laid up and did our recon and all the things we were supposed to do for training, except for the one guy that got concussed and medevaced. He was back at the hospital. And I got back to the team and cleaned up my gear and went to see the the doc the next day. And I said, doc, I got to... I got a problem here. Everything hurts. I hit really hard and I can't feel my left arm, the back of it. And I showed him, I poked him with a pin. And he said, I wish I could prosecute you for criminal stupidity. You bastards come in here, you break your bodies, and then you go rucking afterward. Like you could have, he said, if you, what they assessed after a few months of tests and scans was that if I had done one more jump after that, it turned out not to be any more jumps after that for a few months of training. But if I jumped one more time, it probably would have ruptured the disc in my neck between the vertebrae that was herniated. It was like bubbling and impinging on my spinal cord, which was what caused the deadness in my left arm. That was many years ago. But I learned lessons along the way, and I I learned a most important one in my hospital bed after the surgery to get my neck put back together. I learned to let people help me. I learned the hard way from a macho man who wasn't willing to sacrifice his pride and wasn't willing to let anybody help. I got this. I got this. I got this. One of my teammates was like, you asshole. People need to give. You need to give, right? You, you sacrifice your, your, your well-being to help other people. I said, yeah. He said, that's what other people want to do to help you. And I was humbled by that. I was I was kind of slapped in the face like a hysterical screaming person in an emergency. I said, oh, yeah, you know what? That's true. And I began to be more gracious with people trying to help me. I accepted assistance. I accepted help moving around the house. I accepted people bringing meals to us. The reason I talk about this, the learning through pain, the learning through suffering, is because our guest today has a... Uh, Belly full of experience with the lessons learned from serious injuries. And I first met Josh when I was hosted on his show, which we'll talk a lot about today, my backstory, Josh Boyer. Amy connected me to him and we met him and his beautiful wife, Kat, and their four boys, one of whom was barely walking around at the time as we recorded on my backstory. And now we're really excited to have you, Josh, on Beyond Your Limits. Welcome aboard, brother.
1: Thank you so much, man. What an honor to be here. I'm excited, excited to share my story and excited that you're, uh, you're podcasting yourself, man. It's awesome.
0: It's an important thing, isn't it? Getting the message out there as you've it found, will, you've yeah. found from personal experience.
1: Yeah. You just never know who's listening, you know? So you, you record a podcast, you put it out in the into the world and, you know, you just get random messages from people and who knows, like. A message that you share might touch one live, might touch five, might touch 10. Who knows? You know, there's so many people and you never know who's listening. So,
0: And what they hear, you know yeah. what the same story, same exact radio broadcast, same recording, but different people pick out different things based on what they need that minute in their life.
2: Absolutely.
0: I had that from a church testimony. One time I was asked to testify at church and what's my, what's my story there in my, in my Christian faith. And I went up and talked for 15 minutes and sat down and afterward, you know, we Protestants love our coffee and cookies. I've oh, always got coffee and cookies. And five different people came up to me and said, I'm so glad you spoke about masculinity today. And another one said, I'm so glad you spoke about humility. I'm so glad you spoke about current events. I'm so glad you spoke about community. They had five topics from one talk that I didn't know had any of them in it. They heard what they needed to. And that's the blessing of being able to get this word out here. And you've been doing it for years and years. You've probably influenced millions of individual ideas as people heard an idea spark up and heard this piece come from either listening to your podcast or hearing somebody talk about something that was sparked in them as the topic bubbled within them.
2: Absolutely. It's a blessing.
1: Yeah, it really is. And I think it's a calling. You know, I think certain people are meant to do it. Some people uh, have a gift, you know, and I think you definitely have that gift. So I'm happy to see you doing it. Yeah, that's a good
0: point. We all have different callings and design. We're made made differently. I'm not good at accounting or brain surgery, but (laughs) this is one of the two things I can do, this and lifting heavy objects. That's it. And speaking of expert podcasters, Eric Bond, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Glad to be here. Really good to, I'm especially excited to be able to talk about your own upcoming new starting podcast, The Unbreakable Bond, specifically focused on men and specifically focused on entrepreneurship.
2: Yes, The Unbreakable Bond podcast, which is podcast 2.0 for me. The first iteration was Competitors Mentality podcast, which um, maybe some people have or have not listened to, uh, but this is uh, a little bit more niche down and all about entrepreneurial dads. And all the things that they have to deal with
0: and we're talking to a very entrepreneurial very dad today so what a what a great tie in because you know that's what i i want to I want to pause for a second and acknowledge the fact that as you mentioned the previous podcast it had a life of its own it started and it ended like marriages like relationships like lives like jobs and oftentimes we look at those things and say, "Oh, that was a failure." But actually, all the things that have started and stopped are part of the part of the process. You know, we got to trust the process of life and evolution in our own life, in ourself, and being able to recognize, "Hey, I mean, for myself, God, I've started several businesses, none has ever thrived before. Uh, I've I've had a number of projects and and webinars and all kinds of pro, uh, programs, and I have often." in a dark moment thought, man, I failed all those things. But the reality is each one of them was part of the lesson, part of the education. It's a tuition, including throwing away money expenses that that didn't net out to some kind of an ROI that was positive. That was still part of the the process of learning what does work. Einstein and the 10,000, I mean, Edison and the 10,000 attempts to find out what doesn't work to make a light bulb. Or the McDonald brothers before they say, if you watch the movie, The Founder about the guy who owns mcdonald's his family owns mcdonald's he bought it from two brothers called mcdonald and one of the brothers before he kind of stole it from them and made it what it is today one of the brothers was bragging about how they would failed so much and it was he said it's a it's an overnight success 30 years in the making i think we need to acknowledge that for ourselves because that's what this is about going beyond your limits is recognizing all the good and all the bad and back to our ultimate entrepreneurial dad josh i didn't do a lot of bio for you specifically because your podcast is called My Backstory. And I wanted to ask you if you would share your backstory right now to open up this conversation about, you know, going beyond your limits in this form.
1: Absolutely. So a little bit about my backstory, you know, from California, born in California and then moved to Texas as a kid. My stepfather was in the Air Force, was in the Marines first and then left the Marines, went to the Air Force. And I always had a desire to, to be in the military. And so when I graduated high school, I was going to go play college football and decided that I didn't want to leave my girlfriend at the time, you know, and, and move to Oregon, you know, from California is just too far away. So, uh, I joined the air force and moved to England instead. So 6,000 miles away. And, um, it really opened up, you know, the door for me into kind of like my personality things that I was into. I met some of the most incredible people while I was in the service and, uh, Ended up injuring my back while I was in. And this is where the real lessons for me started because I spent years being, I guess, you know, when people say happy Veterans Day, I hated it. Like it really bothered me. I didn't like it. I didn't feel like I did enough. I wasn't missing any limbs. I saw my buddies leaving and going to war and then coming back just completely broken physically and mentally. And I didn't have that same story. And so I felt kind of cheated in a way. And it wasn't until I realized like, this is where the real lessons were going to start with the the whole my backstory. You know, I've had seven back surgeries, and each of them have taught me invaluable <coughs> lessons. Uh, one of them being that we're in charge of our own destiny. You know, we're in charge of kind of the script that we write and how we're going to write it. And I was allowing for a long time for that to be written for me. You know, the doctors would have me do a back surgery, and then they would you know give me these medications, and I would just take them and wouldn't question it. And next thing you know, I'm in the full throes of addiction. You know, every opiate you can imagine I was taking, you know, uh, fentanyl patches, Oxycontin, you know, uh, methadone, you name it, I was taking it, morphine sulfate. And this was like an everyday like process. And when you're in it, when you're in the midst of all this, you don't realize really how screwed up you are. And it took me to kind of lose everything. You know, I was married. I, I had my first son and, uh, my marriage was falling apart and I didn't really, I guess I didn't really, um, I wasn't feeling, I was numb to everything. And believe it or not, I had a buddy I grew up with uh, who was a, a team six guy and he told—he was going through a divorce at the same time I was. And one of the recommendations he gave me um, was you need to get off all your drugs. You need to feel every single feeling that you're feeling right now so that you never go through it again. And I didn't really heed that advice at first because I wasn't wasn't ready. And I think that's part of the story for a lot of people. You know? like when you're not going to get clean. You're not going to clean up your life. You're not going to find the trajectory that you need to be on until you are ready. And once I decided that I was done with all the drugs and I quit everything cold turkey, um, it kind of opened a new kind of a realm for me. And that's, you know, talking about being, making an impact, you know, and for me, it was realizing my own mental capacity for getting through things. So after my sixth back surgery, I'd already been uh, clean from drugs for about six years, maybe six or seven years. And I knew I was having another back surgery and it was going to be a major, the most major back surgery i had had to date. Uh, It was a 12 and a half hour about 12-hour operation where they went through my stomach, they went through my back, had to break through a fusion, do osteotomies, put in new screws, new rods, wedges in the front. I mean, it was I was broken. I was pretty jacked up. And I made a, a decision during that surgery that I would not get back on any kind of opiates after the operation. I would take what they gave me while I was in the hospital uh, just for recovery purposes. The minute I walked out of that hospital, I was determined to just drink water. No marijuana, no CBD, no anything. And, uh, and I did it. And that, again, was another lesson of we don't realize how much potential we have uh, mentally, physically, spiritually until we tap into it and challenge ourselves. And that was probably, aside from quitting all of my drugs, cold turkey, that was the hardest challenge of my life. The nights were definitely the hardest you know, because you're alone and everyone's asleep and you don't want to bother anybody. I feel like that's when the devil comes out, you know, at at night, you know, when, when it's quiet, you're alone and you got to fight these demons. And for me, it was like, not just the demons of pain, but it's the demons of addiction, knowing full and well that I had the bottles next to me and they, and it's funny, I still have them in my backpack that I use for my podcast. I carry them with the seals still on them, Oxycontin, a muscle relaxer, Flexeril, and, uh, and norco and they're all still sealed with the seal from the hospital and somebody asked me a guy at uh, narcotics anonymous class was like hey why why do you carry those with you like that's just like mental torture and i was like that's why i do it because i want that i want that capacity to destroy myself and have the power of knowing that i'm not going to and to this day i mean i'm still so i got through the surgery and got through the recovery without any any pain pills and that's how the podcast was born. And that's that's why it was called My Backstory because it was actually a play on words, you know, for like starting the podcast about my life and my backstory, but also my recovery from this major operation. And I really did it because I wanted to help other veterans because I saw a bunch of veterans that were just broken physically and were, you know, they go to the VA and it's like, here you go. They're just popping pills, you know, just hand out pills. They don't have time to deal with you. So it's like, just take these drugs, take these drugs. And before you know it, you're you're in the throes of addiction and uh you're not even feeling anymore you're numb to the entire world and that's exactly where i was as a human as a father as a husband and so i want to share that story i want to share the story of recovery i want to share the story of you know mindset and power and taking your power back as a human as a husband as a father you know and yeah so that's a little bit about my backstory so here i am to tell the story well, I appreciate it, and thanks everybody
0: for listening today. It's been a great episode. <laughs> that is a powerful, powerful introduction. We're not actually going to wrap now. That was a powerful introduction because it it speaks to so many things. My notes are now full on this one page. Thanks very much. I got a cramp in my hand for things I want to talk about. But you you started out by talking about you're in charge of your own destiny. You you have to own that shit basically, and it's I couldn't agree more. We we tend to be so passive. We I talked in other other uh, events about how you know, I left the Navy in 2006 to retire, and I became a defense contractor because what else is a SEAL going to do? You know, a SEAL with CT experience and Intel experience. So, okay, counterterrorism analysis stuff, that's what I would do because that's what seemed to be next, but it wasn't what called me. And eventually I had to have a crisis to, about seven years later, I had to get to a crisis to say I can't do this anymore. I can't do the run-of-the-mill everyday thing that I'm not designed for. I am designed for certain things, You like you talked about podcasting or whatever our talents are. If we don't live according to our nudging, the inner nudging that says, hey, you should check this out and you should stop doing that thing over there, a lot of people don't. And they just live a grim uh, survival an existence that's, you know, on the surface looks great. You got a nice two cars and a nice little house and everything is just perfect. But the, the, in, the inner self knows the truth inner self tells the trail the truth about what, what all the glossy <laughs> trifolds on the outside don't are marketing us to live to be you mentioned also that you had you know you accepted what you needed to take in the hospital that's a question that always comes up for everybody in recovery addiction alcoholism sexaholism whatever the pattern is or whatever the person's trying to let go of in their addictions there's always the question of exposure like for myself, I love being around drinkers. You know, I encourage my partner to drink, have, a, have a, a glass of wine, have a Manhattan. Not because I want her to drink, but because I don't want me to be the catalyst for people having a reduced quality of life around me. A diabetic doesn't want people to stop eating birthday cake unless they're really self-centered. You know, okay. hey, I can't eat the cake. Enjoy the cake, for God's sake. I say, enjoy the Manhattan, for God's sake. I, I'm I'm over here having a really nice tonic with lime, and that's a good thing for me, right? And you and you had to learn to accept help. And, and like I talked about in the front, you know, we both had spinal stuff. Yours definitely beats mine. But and then I'm going to come back to that, the whole competitive thing about I didn't my my situation didn't suck as much as yours. That's it's deficient, right? That's what you were talking about. Your sense of being deficient as a veteran. I've had the same feeling, you know. Been back and forth. I was deployed for ten years over my career, and yet I can I can count the same number of limbs I was born with, and I still see out of both eyes, and I'm alive. So there's been times in my post career, my post seal career, where I've been I've had this this self doubting and saying, well. I'm not as cool as the guys that got shot and have purple hearts or lost a leg, lost a foot, got blowed up, got blinded, got dead. They're more of a veteran than I, but the fact is that we're all where we're supposed to be in our paths and they're all different, not better or worse.
1: It's such a powerful place to be when you realize that, when you wake up and, and realize that everything happens for a reason, you know? And, and even if you're not religious, I mean, for me, I'm not overly religious, but I, I believe in God and I believe that, there's a higher power and we're all exactly where we're intended to be in this life. And everything, if you kind of like, you know, I think Steve Jobs said it best, you know, you look at your life and you connect the dots looking back. So when you look back and you look at the dots, somehow, some way they're all going to make sense. And it's like on my next endeavor that I'm in right now, it's like I, I would have never guessed this is where the trajectory I'd be on. But like right now I'm at TCU getting my uh, master's in clinical mental health counseling. So, when I'm done, I'll be a um, licensed professional counselor. And if you would have told me that that's where I was going to end up, you know, 10 years ago, I would have laughed at you. I'd have been like, no, nah, there's no way. And I think the podcast is kind of what helped me realize that this is exactly where I need to be. I have a desire to help people. I, I my, my biggest desire is seeing other people succeed. And I think even in the veteran community, we're the worst at like just breaking each other down. And that's never been what I'm into. It's not me as a veteran. I, I genuinely get joy by connecting people together, by seeing people be successful in life. And so being a counselor for me is going to give me that opportunity to help people get to the best versions of themselves. You know.
0: Do you think we all have that innately, that we all desire to help other people and a lot of us just blind ourselves to it?
1: I would like to believe that. I'd like to believe that people do, but I also believe that there are dark forces at play. And I think people have inner demons and until they work with them. Yeah. I don't know. I think there are some people that genuinely are either jealous, envious or whatever of other people's success. But yeah, I think if you, if we were to break that all down, break all the barriers down, uh, break all the, um, you know, all the, the wounding, the trauma and the things that cause us to be just sometimes just evil people. Yeah. I think maybe, I think maybe in, in in the heart of man, there is a desire to want to to help people and want to see people succeed. Uh, but I think it's clouded by a lot of uh, like you mentioned, like competitiveness, you know it's like mm-hmm. I talk about, I, you you being a veteran, it's like, oh wow, like you're a way better veteran than me and then I talk about my back surgery and my back stuff it's like, oh well, yours is more than me. it's like there's a competitive <laughs> like edge and I think sometimes that's healthy, you know it's what progresses us as humans to to push ourselves and love love. but in other ways, it can be very unhealthy and that's when you see inner fighting with like even people that you would consider to be part of your team, you know it's like why why are you fighting me? Why, are you, why don't you help me? Like, let's you know, stay on the, the shoulders of greats, you know, and that's kind of what helps. So like, there's people that hit me up all the time about podcasts, you know, like, hey, can you give me a recommendation? I would never ever in a million years turn those people away. It's like, of course, I'll help you. Why wouldn't I? You know, there's no reason not to.
0: That's the first thing you responded to me after we talked about your podcast setup. I was like, what are these mics? What are the techniques you use to get them positioned right? How do you do all the right things with the walls? I mean, all the all the JV questions you have about podcasts or any new industry, right. as we've talked about a lot, you always suck when you start something. Everybody sucks when they start something, whether it's shooting or tap dancing or mumbly pegs, you know, whatever you're learning,
2: you're, you're going to suck at it. Podcasting, no different. Hey, Rob, that actually is interesting because I think we, we were talking about that the other day where... People are afraid to be seen starting small. Everybody wants to be seen on stage, but nobody wants to be seen in the beginning. Exactly. It's a great point.
0: At one point, Josh, you were a beginner at being a, a severely injured person on the road to recovery. You oh, yeah. sucked at it. There's <laughs> uh, lessons to be learned in anything you suck at.
1: You know, and it's funny when I was going through all that, one of the realizations that I had, which was a Hard pill to swallow was a lot of that, those injuries, a lot of the surgeries were self induced. I think that had I been mentally where I am now, emotionally where I am now, spiritually where I am now, I could have avoided a lot of the chaos that I think I was creating. And my, yeah, my back had issues, you know, but I think sometimes I was pushing the envelope a little bit too much in the hopes that maybe I'd break myself again and then. It was like attention seeking almost, you know, I was getting juice from like the attention that I was getting from being this broken dude. And it takes a lot to like admit that, to be like, oh yeah, I was, I was creating this, you know, and it was self-serving in a lot of ways. And now it's like, I I don't have time for that. I'm good.
0: We don't need to invite drama into our lives. The misfortune is abundant. There's plenty of shitty things going on. Let's focus yeah. on enjoying those and not compound it. And that's what so many people do. I, I just recently uh, had to respond, had to take that word out of it. I got to respond to a lady who's been writing to me for years. We're social media friends, and sometimes she gets wrapped up in the drama of her friends, and she'll reach out to me for validation and say, hey, here's what I wrote to her. Don't you think this is right? And, and, and one, recently I saw her say, I need your thoughts on this. Well, you may think you need that, but what you need is oxygen oxygen. And water and enough nourishment to keep your bones moving and shelter to keep them alive. That's what you need. That's what in my my process. And this is such a critical part of my leadership understanding. My philosophy of leadership is hold people accountable, starting with yourself. And that's why we have this fifth power. We talk about body, mind, heart, and soul. For, te- for years, I was teaching body, mind, heart, and soul, the four human powers, these aspects that the physical, mental, emotional, and ethical, spiritual. And then I thought there's this other power called done, no, say no more, the healthy boundaries. That's what I think is the power of leadership. Because when you say no to trivial invitations or somebody sending you an encyclopedic message on Facebook and say, I need your thoughts on this. I responded, and I'm paraphrasing. Well, <laughs> I got your message. I saw your request. For, you know, you need you need my feedback on this. I think it may surprise you, but I'm going to give it to you. Tough love feedback. My feedback is, I didn't read it. My feedback is, it's not part of my life. My feedback is your business. Your life is not my business, and and your fixation with this rival in church—you want to argue about these issues of Putin and Ukraine—and part of it was Kyle Rittenhouse. Like, I saw these words as I scanned the encyclopedias. Like, this has no bearing on my life. But what I guarantee, I will do. What I will accomplish if I spend the next ten minutes reading your encyclopedic spat, I will fuck somebody over for the 10 minutes I can give of my gifts in this life. And it's going to end. My life will end. Let me use those 10 minutes. And that's, I'm not telling her, she has no power over me. She has no control over my 10 minutes or my feedback on this, or I need your response. No, you don't. You don't. I need to focus on what's important to me. And that's what you're doing. We well, are focusing on what you need to move forward, not on, uh, it kind of feels good when people pay attention to me because my life sucks because this horrible thing happened. You move from, stagnation, stagnation, even sliding back in, in, in life to being productive and saying, okay, this happened. You know, dogs lose a limb in a traffic accident. They kind of don't know. They don't seem to know. They run around they bark, they bite people. They have fun. You know, they do their life, their dog thing. It's was like, Hey, you know, you're missing 25% of your legs, right? He's like, whatever. It's fun. And I got a bone, check it out. People throw balls for me and I run almost as fast as the other dogs. I'm just doing my best to keep up. That's the that's the being in the now. What can I do? Where's my power right now?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Once I kind of like realize that and start realizing that, there was a I think, uh, the the Hendricks Institute. I don't know if you heard of Gay and Katie uh, Hendrix, uh, but one things he talks about is how we like are almost conditioned mentally to like put ourselves back into the state that we're most used to. So you'll purposely like create this drama cycle because that's where your mind is is. Used to. So, like, I had a couple accountability partners that I would check in with and be like, hey, if you hear me, like, I'm messaging you or calling you, talking to you about things that really are insignificant in the big scheme of life, I'm asking you to please call me on it. Shut me up. It doesn't, like, I can, I'm creating this, this, like, story, this narrative in my mind because I'm trying to put myself subconsciously into, like, the state that I'm most comfortable in, which is chaos. And once I, I just prefer... Prefer peace way too much now to want to do that anymore. I desire it anymore. Oh God, yes.
0: Yeah. Peace of mind is a uh, is the gift we can give ourselves at any moment by accepting the real circumstances around us. Since we have this, ha- you know, I love my impact rules. Impact rule of ans, A A N S sounds like Hans and Franz, but it's just A A N S. Always accept, never settle. Am I five foot ten and a half? <laughs> being precise like a child. I'm four and a half. Well, <laughs> I, I'm not over six feet. I'm not even quite 5'11". I don't think I've quite ever made that, but I, I want that extra half inch of height. But that is what it is. I can't change my height except to make it shorter without serious injury. I could be longer like they torture people, but I can change my weight. My height and weight are accept and never settle. If I'm Being in that same state of stagnation, self pity, pity pot, sit here and say, Well, it kind of sucks for me. You're throwing away the hours you could be dedicating to using what is left of your body, your mind, your heart, and soul. You know, we have amputees who are out there on stages right now speaking and motivating many, many people who have taken their injuries from the service and put them into a productive path. There are those who, you know, God bless them, are are sitting in a very sad state and thinking in a dark house, there's nothing I can do. I might as well just wait for death for 40 years. It's a long wait.
1: Now you see people doing it every day, you know, that are in these these bad states. And that was part of the other thing with addiction. I'm sure you deal with it a lot too, Rob, is that people will hit you up, you know, when they know that you're sober and they know that you're, you know, you clean your life up and you've shared your story openly, authentically, you'll just have random people message you like, oh, I want to get clean. I want to, you know, and it's like, you're not ready yet. You know, when you're ready, come come talk to me. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to waste time pulling into you when in fact, like you're you're just going to go off and do the same thing again. So when you're truly ready, you know, I'll reappear. Or you know, like when the students ready, the teacher appears, kind of thing. And it's so true because we spend a lot of time not just on negativity, but in helping other people that aren't ready to be helped. And for me, I just stopped doing that. You know, when people message me, I may respond or I may you know, like the comment or whatever, but I was spending way too much time like trying to help people that weren't ready to be helped. Exactly. I need your feedback
0: on this. No, you don't.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, and and like I think it was brilliant. Your response to whoever that was was brilliant because I think she'll read that, hopefully, she or he, I don't, I don't know if you said it was a she or he, but here we go. So, you know, I think that you're she'll probably read that and be like, oh, wow, like maybe, maybe I am wasting time on somebody else's <laughs> bullshit story you know and why
0: the why behind that is powerful That's i love the why i love why i've i mean i've self-sabotaged a lot in my lifetime and there's self-esteem issues there's childhood pts issues there's combat life relationship stuff i have learned that a lot of the time as you said uh, in fact i'm going to I can find it here. Powerful peace. So my book, Powerful Peace, from 2012, we're going to be doing a big 10-year anniversary thing coming up in the next couple of months, let everybody know. There's, a, there's a, a chapter called, We Make Our Misfortune, exactly as you're saying. The vast majority of what we do is created by us to us. It's not deliberate in most cases. It's not conscious, but if I'm a dick You know, Don't be a dick, right? That's my forward philosophy on life. Don't be a dick. Being a dick is active. Being a dick requires energy and time. I have to invest resources in being a dick. You say, good morning, Rob, around the coffee pot in the morning. I'm like, what's good about it? Well, guess what? I just created a negative environmental factor for myself because you're going to be thinking about that next time we talk, and you may not even talk to me. I've literally gotten jobs before, consulting gigs, that I was not the best guy for in terms of skills. I was the second most competent guy in analysis, security, whatever it was. But they said, yeah, the, the primary guy is a dickhead. We're not going to work with him. That dickhead is living a life of cyclical loss and doesn't recognize it. He can't see it because he's being a dick to people. And for whatever reason, again, back to trauma, back to injuries, back to wounds because hurt people hurt people. That's where you get the, you get this compounding cycle of, Hurt to self, which creates, which which inspires a behavior that is inappropriate to other people, which creates more hurt when you get what you deserve because they're going to be dicks back, and the invisible cost of not getting that ten thousand dollar contracting gig because you're the dick. We're not going to hire that guy. You mentioned what really I, I want to unpack this thing with with Eric because Eric has been talking with us lately about the eight core beliefs or eight core emotions, and they're primarily negative. And I think that, you know, as Eric, you can speak to this much better than I can, but basically it goes back to instinct It's saying, Hey, I'm living in a cave. I have a little thing that makes fire. That's cool. I can cook the meat and not get dysentery so much or trichinosis and saber tooth tigers want to eat me. So life is kind of lousy and I got to acknowledge that, but there may be a couple of good things. Can you dive into that? Cause that's why we tend to go to the negative.
2: Sure. Everybody has a core Feelings or emotions. On the positive side, you have joy, passion, and love. And on the negative side, you have fear, guilt, anger, pain, and shame. So you are predisposed to look at situations negatively. Your initial, as a human being, your initial reaction to situations is negative because you're weighted five of those. Hey, so, and it literally all, all goes back to survival. Your, your body is trying to keep you, your brain is trying to keep you alive. So, you know, the example that you used, Rob, with, you know, the prehistoric man, I guess, um, when you go out to you know, get your, hunt your dinner and you're getting chased by crazy animals and bad things happen, you 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 save all of those. You overlearn negative outcomes at a higher rate than positive outcomes. And it takes a lot to override your system. And once you get into secondary emotions, so you know if you're um, what's something that I'm thinking of here. so if you're if you're hurt, by something and then you get angry about it that secondary emotion is what you can control that initial emotion is baked in already so you have total control over the secondary emotion and how you respond to whatever is laid out in front of you so yeah i mean we could have a whole podcast on this but i mean it's, it's just a fascinating thing on how people people process stuff and and you are every ever all the billions of people in this world have these same eight core emotions. So basically with them being five out of eight, we are
0: naturally designed to feel negative, to perceive negatively 62.5% of the time. <laughs> that's how often five out of eight times, if you see a situation that's going to be perceived as more often than not negative. And that goes back to the self-actualization you've been describing, Josh, Well, you had to, you were in that state you were in. Okay. It sucks. All right, I got it. It sucks, and life sucks. I think we have. You know, we hear a lot of people say. Also, in fact, I think it was Zendaya. I can't remember what movie it was. Maybe the Greatest Showman or something. But one of the one of the shows uh, she was in, she talked about being the girl who doesn't hope for things. Don't hope because well, because why? We learned through earlier pain. It was programmed in. Designed into our belief system, when we're, and we're all about destroying self-limiting beliefs and behaviors. That's what the what the uh, the show notes talk about up front. You know, the intro is about destroying self-limiting beliefs and behaviors. But she believed it's better just not to hope because you won't get disappointed so much, you know, broken hearts and so forth. But Josh, you rose rose above those assumptive negative states and said, "I'm going to do something with this. I'm not yeah. going to stay in this."
1: I refuse. You know, I refuse to be a, a product of my circumstances you know, and a product of, you know, how did I create this, this mess that I'm in and can I correct it? Can I, can I fix any of that? And, uh, and I'm just, I'm just choosing, I think like um, we all have a choice, you know, we all have a choice when we wake up in the, in the, you know, in the morning, what's our day going to be like, you know, and I forget who said it, but it's like, you know, do you have a bad five minutes or a, you know, it's it's usually a bad five minutes if someone turns into a, a bad 24 hours and it's like, yeah, yeah, you stubbed your toe or you have a flat tire or whatever, get over it, like move on. I think part of that is a decision and part of it is a predisposition
2: right? uh,
1: for some of us. And, you know, one of the realizations I had, and I I don't know if I'm going to share it, I don't know if it's okay for the podcast, but.
0: It is. I can blanket say yes, no matter what it is.
1: So I went and did ayahuasca with a veterans group to kind of help heal some of my brain and, and release some of the trauma uh, that I was dealing with. And one of the things that came up for me was in my visions, I saw my son, my um, soon to be six year old son. And, you know, we all, you know, for those of us that have kids, like you you obviously love all of your children, but you have a special connection or a different connection with each of them in different ways. And for this particular boy, Axel in my visions, I saw that he was me. He was all like, he was like, almost like my soulmate. And I'm almost able now to see him reliving, like I'm reliving my life through him before all the bad stuff happened to me, if that makes any sense. Um, And in my visions, it made perfect sense. And when I see him today, like just finding the joy in life, he's always so happy. No matter what happens, the kid is like happy, happy and smiling and laughing and finding reasons to laugh. I found myself being in the depths of despair sometimes and being like, wow, like I'm not finding reasons to laugh. I'm always angry and letting the world kind of get me down. And uh, I've since broken free of that. I won't allow it anymore. And when things fall apart, as they will in life, it's just it's just a part of life. It's part of the cycle. You know. Um, you mentioned earlier about the uh, entrepreneur stuff. You know, when you're doing a business and you feel like oh that failed, that failed. You know, I had a podcast that I was doing with a partner after my podcast, and it didn't work out. You know, I moved to Texas, and things just didn't work out very easy for me to be negative about that experience and be like, ah, that's terrible and find all the, the per- reasons to take it personally. Uh, but I'm choosing not to do that. I'm choosing just to move on and be like, okay, cool. That was a lesson that I learned about being in business with somebody else. Take those healthy lessons and, and move on in a healthy way, you know, without spitting venom or being uh, negative at all, you know, find the joy and the lesson.
0: Many of us have have gone through divorces. A very similar lesson I took away from mine was wiser people said, dude, you did fail. That ran its course. That relationship started. It ended. In this case, there's an insanely cool kids came out of it. And. Like you said, the lessons, incredibly good lessons. Now, that can benefit anybody in, who's involved. You know, In this case, we're talking about two partners. But anybody who's involved can learn from that and say, you know what? Yeah, I, uh, in this case, I got this massive reservoir of lessons learned about what I like to do and what I don't like to do and what's right and what's wrong in relationship. And, and it's a building block. It's not, it's not a rubble pile. It's a building block. One more experience of life as long as I'm blessed to have breath and keep going.
1: Absolutely. And that's kind of where, you know, everything becomes a habit, right? So like the things that we do in our daily life, you're creating habits, you're creating like neural pathways in your brain, whether that be negative thinking and whether that be quitting everything you start, whether that be, instead of, like you said, finding a lesson, instead you're, you're just being bummed out that it ended. You know, what was the lesson in that? And, um, you know, that's a great question with divorce. I mean, it's huge, especially in the military community. I mean, most of us have, been married and divorced at least once, sometimes twice, sometimes more. And for me, I always want to go back. I, I revisited my first marriage. And I'm like, okay, what? that's yeah, over. But what I, and I don't want to go back to it, but what did I learn from it? How could I have done it better? And just mend my side of the fence, not worrying about the blame game. You know, let me, let me be the victim and, and talk about all the reasons why it ended and why it wasn't my fault. Just take complete ownership and say, hey, man, like it's, it's over. Come to that conclusion. But what can I do better the next time
0: around? Exactly. How do I be a better person today because of the things I can learn from it if I choose to learn? It is a choice. Like you said, five minutes is bad. 24 hours is a choice. Yes, the tire blew. Yes, my ankle broke. But what do I do with it from that point forward? And that's that's the last thing I wanted to to really zoom in on. You talked about with your damn neck guy, your SEAL Team 6 buddy who said you got to feel all the feelings. That is so incredibly powerful. You have to feel all the feelings. That's the process we always talk about. The process is not just the rosy unicorn days. It's the days when you feel dark in the night and the demons are coming.
1: Yeah. What, yeah. what do you
0: think about all that feeling of your feelings? Is it you've learned so much from that?
1: Yeah, I think you know one of the most beautiful lessons that I've ever learned in my entire life was learning how to feel again. I've been numb for so long uh, through addiction and just through life, you know, having calluses all over my heart and my mind, and just just being a calloused individual because I allowed the world to break me down to that level. I, and the, the operative word is allowed. I allowed it to happen, and I went to uh, so that lesson I got from my buddy, like, "Hey, you need to feel all these emotions." I heard what he said, but it didn't completely land. Until later, and I'm revisiting it now, you know, and being like, oh, I remember that, that message he sent me. I went actually went to a men's retreat, and that's where I, uh, for the first time, felt what it felt like to feel again, and uh, healthy, you know, a release of emotion of just like, oh, man, like, I didn't realize how much pain and shame and guilt and hurt and all these things I was holding on to. And I think as men, we're probably the most guilty of that. We hold on to. We're just. We're kind of taught as youngsters to don't cry about it. Stop being a sissy. Stop being. And that's that's healthy in some ways. You know, when you're teaching your your sons to be strong and and tough, but there's a better way of doing it emotionally. It's okay. We shouldn't shame our sons into you know feeling that their feelings aren't valid. You know, so a lot of times we end up bottling all this stuff up and we never process it. And you never talk to your buddies because they went through the same training that you did. <laughs> you know, so you're kind of in this perpetual, you know, cycle of dysfunction. And once I learned to, to feel again, it kind of opened Pandora's box for me, you know, and now I'm al- I'm allowing myself to feel the feelings. You know, sometimes I'm hurt, sometimes I'm sad, sometimes I'm happy, sometimes I'm not. You know, so you kind of just you feel all the feelings and you let them go and realize that they're, you know, like they say, emotions. It's just in motion, you know, it's just passing through. Let it pass through you. It's all good, you know? And uh, holding on to it is, is really, uh, for me, it was like acid. It really is. It's, it's just burning you up on the inside. And all that the demons that I was dealing with, with addiction and all the other things, um, crippling anxiety, panic attacks, all the things, now that I feel and I'm allowing myself to feel, those don't have power over me anymore. Sure, I have days where I'm more anxious than, than normal. I days where I, sometimes I have a panic attack, but I can get my my way through it a lot better now because I'm not willing to bottle it all up, and I'm I'm okay with talking about it. I'm okay to let that out. Man, I'm struggling today. I'm having a really bad day, you know. And and I'm okay to to go to whoever my accountability partners are or to go to my wife and be vulnerable with her because that's the other key piece I think for men is the the willingness to be vulnerable.
0: Right. Well, that's the thing is if you are retarding your own growth and function as a human being, because we are all these things, body, mind, heart, and soul, if you're not acknowledging, if you're bottling it up, if you're denying it, that's living a lie. Living a lie is is being false. Being false is to have shame baked into my daily life. I know I'm lying about this. And also the fear of being vulnerable that it, if I expose myself to my partner in this way, I'll, I'll somehow lose. It's the exact opposite because you're killing the relationship while you're being a false person, a false version of yourself. That hurts her. That comes back to bite us in other ways. And, and this the this, this cycle becomes more and more negative.
1: Oh yeah. The, the, the most connected Kathleen and I have ever been was when I came back from that men's retreat because she had never seen me feel before. And so when I came back, I, mean, I was just a bottle of, of the emotion that was just coming right, out. Right. And I think it, it drew her closer to me. Like our connection was, she was like, wow, he's actually a human being that has real feelings. Interesting. You know, so. And it is
0: jammed up. You've had so much of this jammed up for so long that it comes out like a flood. And I know in my own experience of becoming vulnerable and letting feelings out in different iterations of my life, I've worried in the mo- in the moment, holy crap, am I going to be a quivering little jellyfish on the floor for the rest of my life? No, it's got to come out. It all has to come out when it's all out like an abscess or a splinter. When it's all out, then you get back to stasis, back to normal body, mind, heart, soul, and balance and having good days and bad, good, good moments and bad moments. But it, it's going to be overwhelming when it comes, when anything breaks free.
1: Yeah. And that's the other part for me, like as a, as a man and, and as a, I view myself as a leader and I want to like help other people desperately want to help other people. Um, but part of the thing that I, the realization I had to come to is kind of on the same vein of the addiction stuff was that realizing that everybody is at their own stops They get off on their own stops at the train stop, you know, like where I got off and had all these realizations about my life, that was at stop, you know, two or three, right? Somebody else might not be till stop seven or eight, you know? So I can't expect them to know what I know, to feel what I feel and to grasp some of the things that I have, just like my mentors and my, the, the people that I go to for my schooling and the people that I go to for my mentorship, they're way ahead of me and and they got off the train a lot earlier than I did. So it's going to take me some more time to learn these lessons to kind of get to that place. And I think I get to that. Sometimes I'm guilty of, I get like excited about things that I learn and I want to share it with everybody. But, and I used to take it personally when they were like, ah, no, nah, that's too much for me. That's too, it's like, come on, what's up with you, man. But I just had to realize like, Hey man, we're all at our own, we're all on our own respective journeys, you know? And sometimes people just aren't ready to, to kind of open up. And I think it, for me, it's more around fear. I fear for the people that are bottling all their stuff up. Because I know it will you will pay the piper eventually in one way or the other. Whether that's a massive heart attack, whether that's failed relationships, failed business relationships, marriages, whatever, you will pay the piper eventually if you don't let some of the stuff go. Um, and so I want to help people realize that. But I also have to realize that sometimes I'm just not ready for it.
0: You know? Right. And where are they? And let me meet them there. Because racing this this uh, evangelical fervor, I learned this amazing thing. Well, I've learned a lot of amazing things in 56 years, but I'm where I am and they're where they are. And and even, even talk about things like this is a cooler veteran than that. And this is a cooler spinal injury than that. We're all on different spectra within our own lives where nobody is this one thing we got all these things some of us we're all junior at some things and senior at other things i'll put it that way all these different aspects of life and and everybody can teach us something and we can teach everybody something and how how do people get a hold of you to teach things to them i want i know the words are my backstory but i want people to go right to the domain right to the url
1: the best way to do it is to go to my instagram which is at josh boyer right now it's at josh boyer underscore but that's going to be changing pretty soon here so everything will be at Josh Boyer, and when you go there, there'll be a link to to my podcast. If you want to follow the podcast, it's uh, My Backstory with Josh Boyer. It's on every platform: uh, Spotify, YouTube, you know, Apple, all the things. So that's the best way for people to connect. And I'm always—I I do my best to always respond to every message. So even if it's just a like of your comment, I I will do my best to always get back to people. But I do have a life, so sometimes I miss some messages, and I apologize ahead of time if I do.
0: Well, it's like you said before. Everybody hears what they need to hear, and that's what we got to just keep putting our message out there, whatever the the story is for that day. And and I want people to find my backstory with you, Boyer, B O Y E R, Josh Boyer. Yes, sir. And um and and let's just keep moving the ball down the field, doing what we can and helping people.
1: Now I'm super proud of you for doing this podcast, and thank you so much for having me on and. Look forward to seeing where it's headed, man.
0: Well, I blame you for getting me on the podcast train.
1: I also
2: blame Eric for facilitating it. Thanks a lot, Eric. <laughs> hey, any way I can help. And uh, Josh, thanks uh, so much for sharing what you did today. you know, really, really appreciate that. There's a lot of nice lessons in there for people.
1: Thank you, Yeah, I'm honored to be a part of this uh, this podcast with you guys. And if uh, there's anything I can ever do to, to help out in any way, I'm always a uh, call away.
0: We may be doing teaming in Texas one of these days again. See, we're looking for venues. Impact Actual is going to be doing a lot of activities, including Eric's own Entrepreneurial Man, Entrepreneurial Dad event coming up in late summer. We're still planning that out and looking at venues and figuring out how to tell people where to go, how to get there.
1: If I can help in any way, please let me know.
0: Another great podcast, another great show in the can. Guys, keep paying attention. Watch the transcripts on these things. Watch the, the show notes because every single episode we're doing has deep wisdom in it and you can learn from other people's mistakes rather than trying to learn everything yourself the hard way as as Josh and Eric and I have done a great deal of. That is another great show, guys. Thanks for joining us this week on Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois and we will see you soon. Thanks for joining us on Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois, the podcast that helps you destroy self-limiting beliefs. Unchain your potential and create the meaningful life you were made for. For more information about Impact Actual and the Impact Unchained course, visit impactactual.com. And be sure to subscribe on Apple iTunes or wherever you like to listen so you'll never miss a show. We'll see you next time on Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois.